Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClellan, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hey, Krista. Hey, Catherine. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think you might have something that you're discovering. Well, I have a question for you. Oh, a question? Maybe okay. for our listeners, too. Okay. Have you ever been just kind of going along in your life and just tripped into either a piece of information or awareness that just like makes your life go and like just change in an instant? I'm going to have to think about that. I feel like I've had that happen, but I don't think I could come up with an exact story, but I'm listening to yours. So well, let's get I've started. had that moment happen. And I was imagining you did. <laughs> um yeah, and it actually came from our last couple podcasts we did. Um, we hmm. did the podcast about the new year and how it was kind of like a slow start for the both of us. And then we did another podcast on whether I was ready to be dating or in partnership. And I was, um, you know, I, that was the episode where I was like, just wanting to have a lot of fun talking about, you know, <laughs> what am I ready for? What am I looking for? What's stopping me? And you had to ruin my fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you just well, I dropped didn't this to, little I didn't awareness mean on me. to ruin your fun. <laughs> well, you did. Sorry. And I'm so grateful for it because, you know, things were all fun and games and I needed to have that awareness or that truth bomb dropped on me in order for my life to kind of start flowing again. You know what's funny when you said that? I I think what happens to me is I have this awareness that I'm not always in charge of what I say. Mm. And when I'm feeling really centered and collected and connected as a coach or podcast partner, I say things that I don't actually expect. And I feel like they're given to me by a place that knows more than I do, if that makes any sense. And so, yes, I guess it's part of my genius to be open to the wisdom that's coming <laughs> through me. But I also claim that it's not so much just mine as it is sort of a wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like a collective wisdom, yeah, too. Yeah. So it comes through, and I know it's always perfect. I know it Do you remember is. what you said to me? I do not. But I know. <laughs> I mean, I remember the gist of it, but I don't remember exactly. So the say? gist of it was that I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to be in partnership. I like, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'll just keep it fun. And you're, you kind of came up with this, well, you're still married. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, so the conversation then led into like the com me needing to complete my divorce in order to open up space to really be available for relationship, partnership, or a monogamous whatever. Or even just making a choice if you wanted to be someone that wanted uh, fooling around kinds of relationships, or if you really wanted something that grew with you, created a partnership, you couldn't even be sure, right? Until right. you weren't married. Because 
there's a gate that you have to get through, in my experience, that is the completion. And part of the awareness, or, or I feel like this, like, I feel like my life was just like at a standstill, and there was like a cork in the bottle. And I felt like the cork got pulled Pop. out. Yeah, it popped out um, during that podcast, or after, you know, in the following week after the podcast. And it was kind of like the dirty little secret that I didn't want to admit to myself of like, what's the secret? Well, like that I didn't want to like, there must have been a part of me inside of me that didn't want to complete yeah. the divorce. So that means there's a block. There's something holding me back because my rational brain and my, this one side of me definitely wants this to be over. Like once this chapter of my life to like be done so I can step into this next phase. And yet there was something that kept just pulling me back, pulling me back. Yeah. Um, I think it was part of the realization when I realized, I think you told me it had been five years, mm -hmm. five years, mm -hmm. That's a <laughs> two long major relationships and a, a lot of other things, kids growing up in the midst of this mm -hmm. and it still wasn't complete. And I thought I had a long and lengthy divorce Maybe because it was so painful, we went a little more quickly. But I think it was only maybe two and a half years, maybe mm -hmm. three at the most. So it really struck me like, huh, why That's is a big this? block. <laughs> why is this still here? Yeah. And so yeah. the interesting thing, the reason I'm bringing it up today is because it, it's like we had that moment of awareness together that something was chugging the pipeline and... And I was kind of, I think, complaining in the episode saying like, well, I can only do my part and there's another person involved and they have to do their part or it can't move forward. And you're like, well, actually. And, <laughs> um, and it was like a series of events over the like, next couple of days where it was like, he called, he made some decisions, I made some decisions. And then we ended up on a phone call randomly to discuss something that wasn't even divorce related. And then because of our conversation, I was like, I need to say something to him that I'm totally terrified of saying. Mm. Like really scared to ask him. And the thing was, I asked him, is there any place inside of you that feels like we need some therapy together? And it was so scary because... One, he might say, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. And then it's like, oh, good. Now I care for what you ask for, right? Yeah. Or the other side would him be going like, no way. Like, but out of like a, I don't even want to be near you, you know, like mm. out of like rejection. But it was just like this little place inside that kept coming forward to ask him that. And the old mm. me would not have asked. I would right. not have been brave enough to or open enough to go back into that it's kind of intimate space with somebody who it's very intimate i haven't been with in five years so i don't know who they are anymore so it was like almost like going and asking a stranger hey you want to go to therapy and <laughs> move this divorce along um but we ended up having a conversation which was like it was like therapy we, with each other, though. With each other, yeah. So we didn't go and sit with somebody else and have them facilitate, but we both got to express a lot of the 
fears and the anger and the awarenesses that we've been having and growing through over the last couple of years. And we got to kind of talk through the little tender parts inside that were afraid to sign the deal or sign the papers and really come into, I think, some compassion for each other mm-hmm. about how each other must be feeling on the other side. And it was just like this whoosh of, oh, okay, everything just flooded for it. It just felt like every, this whole process just went after five years. So like you move towards completion, that there are things happening, or just that the energy has moved, now you know the completion is coming? Is that what you're saying? You could actually feel the sense of we've we've confronted the unsaid things. That's what I keep hearing you say, yeah. and I, I would love it if you want to share with us what some of those unsaid things were and how they impacted you, because we all know we have a story about mm-hmm. what happened, and many, many people in divorces don't talk to each other. So the stories can be so, they could be so far apart. And whatever story we've told, we don't even know the stories that went on in our marriage. So I'm curious, when you went to therapy together, (laughs) and obviously Spirit knew you could handle it, Krista, or you would not have been given that opportunity. And he obviously trusts you enough to be willing to also step in with some intimacy with you at this point. Who knows what was experienced. But in that moment, you guys could be in that space. So I'm sure our listeners, as am I, curious, what was in the space? What happened between you that felt like it opened those gates? Well, I think it needs to be said that he would, both of us would love to just walk away from a marriage and never have to like engage or talk again or interact. But we have children. So we don't have, we don't get to do that. Like we're going to be in each other's lives forever. So for me, that was the, the reason why I really wanted to move through this divorce and keep it really clean. Like from here on out, like I don't want to spend the next 50 years looking at him like motherfucker, you know, like having that <laughs> thing underneath. Yes, I do. So that was why I was like, I, I need to do, I need to clean this up. I didn't want all these things left unsaid. And I think that that's part of what was bothering me about signing the papers or completing. It's like, there's so much that hasn't been said. Well, on your side, but I'm sure I I would imagine that there was some curiosity on your side about what wasn't, what hadn't been said on his side. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the issues that you've brought up before is, how you feel guilty mm-hmm. about your participation in the end of the marriage and the way that went because of the choosing of your behavior. So right. do you want to talk that's, about that? That's and- actually a huge, um, it's huge because I have been holding that the entire marriage failed because at the very end, I chose poor behavior. Which was? Affairs. So at the end of your marriage, after how many years? Fifteen years. Fifteen years at the so at the end, it just that you were desperately, desperately trying to fill some need. You decided mm-hmm. to fill it through affairs instead of approaching him intimately and saying, "I have a desperate need. I can't get fulfilled right now through this." Right. Or can you please come closer? Whatever you could have done, you didn't. I do didn't that. have the you skills or the capabilities at that time to do it. So that was the choice you made, and you have felt? I felt extreme guilt over ruining his life, ruining my children's life, ruining my life. You know, it's like all my fault. And having that conversation with him yesterday, I kind of said to him, like, 
I feel all this guilt for that. And we know it takes two. And I've, I've expressed remorse. I've said, I'm sorry a lot. And really I've come to him at different times, very open heartedly and said, I'm really sorry for the ways my behavior came out and how much pain it's caused. And, and there was that part of me that feel it was like, he's never apologized or never acknowledged his role in it. And so when I said that to him, which was scary to say to him, oh, yeah. um, you know, he came back and he was like, no, I totally see, you know, where I wasn't speaking up for myself, where I was, where he was going along with decisions um, that were made in the marriage when he didn't really want to, but he didn't have the, I'll use his term, you know, he didn't have the cojones to tell me no or to say no, he didn't want to do that. He was just people pleasing and keeping the peace. You know, we all know that when you're not speaking your truth, resentment builds, anger builds. It's, it kills intimacy. It kills, kills your, it. it kills everything. If, and, you know, the hard part is that we're hardwired to not tell the truth, to please, to, to go out of our way to peacekeep and all that. But if we choose that for our most intimate relationships, we kill them. And we were both doing it. We Neither one of us were speaking up all along. So it was like, you know, happened two times as much. Um, but I think when you have something like an affair happen, it's really easy to just, it's a good place to just stick all the blame, right? Yeah. As opposed to, so plus I'm, you did that, not just him. You did right. that to yourself. Well, you if you look at all it. all the blame on yourself too, Well, right? if you look at it, yes, I cheated at the end. But in a way, he was cheating the entire marriage just because he was like cheating himself out of the life he wanted to live. He was cheating me out of, you know, being in partnership. So with- how did he share that with you? <clears throat> in a very unexpected um, sentence that I'm still kind of like confused about or reeling from in a way. Because um, he said something like, um, he had reservations before marrying me about whether I was the right one or not. And it's like he, he's like inside, he, he kind of knew that he shouldn't marry me. And I wow. was like, whoa. And I know exactly how that feels because I felt that way with my first marriage. Like I'm walking down the aisle and I knew I shouldn't be doing this, but I didn't speak up or I didn't know how to get myself out of it. So it's really interesting that mm. it now is like happening yeah. to me on the flip side. But that was... Me too. And yeah. and we don't think about it at the time that we would be sparing both of us. Mm-hmm. Instead, we think we're just going to... We're going to be able to do this and we're going to be able to make it happen. And we think, I don't know where we get this, that we're going to actually help the situation by getting married instead of postponing or waiting or stopping or asking mm-hmm. more questions and really getting clear. Yeah. And it's it was I think what was shocking is that like I know he loved me in the marriage. That's not what we're talking about. We both loved each other, but it's that he had a knowing that it wasn't going to be the right thing for him or that it was always going to be hard to work with me. I mean I was cold and locked down back then. I was. And he knew that and he sensed it. And he stepped into it anyways. 
So this is a cool part because right here we get to get into karma <laughs> and all sorts of fun, you know, spiritual concepts here because someone knowing they're walking into something that they have reservations about is a high sign that we don't value ourselves, any of us. We've all done it. We've all, mm-hmm. I stepped into it, you stepped into it, he did it. It's such an interesting thing to finally admit to ourselves that we did it. Like, mm-hmm. take responsibility, which is what you were asking for. It's always a double-edged sword. You kind of right. hate and you kind of love that you get the information. What did... Well, that played into the divorce because I'm trying to si- sign these papers, but there's this part of me that's like, I'm, la- I'm wanting to be validated and valued for the years I put right. into the marriage and everything I did by raising the children the kids. And everything, yeah. right. And so then I was feeling not like anytime he didn't want to give more money, it was like this thing of feeling like I had failed at the marriage and the children. So that was where I was gripping in the signing of the papers and everything because I wanted to be validated and financially for my contribution. And he's, he in a way, he was denying my contribution. And there's something in it around like why did he get to diminish my contribution when he was doing yeah. the same thing? So it was – Well, it's kind of like, Krista, what I saw when you said that was – he walks in with a story that makes it impossible for you to be loved. When, when you talk about love, both people have to have an openness to each other. Mm-hmm. If you walk in already thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a problem. She's mm-hmm. a cold fish. Sorry. Mm-hmm. She's a cold. <laughs> we know you're not totally a cold fish, darling. But, I like you sushi. Know, no. <laughs> Just not going to touch it. Um, <laughs> but when you walk in, no, having that story, that mm-hmm. story is running your experience. He created it. So he did create it in one way. Mm-hmm. And in one way, whatever you were working with was the other piece of the creation. But when you look 15 years later and you see a woman who can't get her needs met and doesn't know why and takes it on herself as if she's the problem and she's abandoning her family and she's done this and she's hurt everyone. And then suddenly you find out that there was a factor you knew nothing about 15 years ago that you have never felt honored, respected, cared for in the way that you would have had he walked into that with an actual sense of a purity of his loving for you. Does that make sense? Well, and he also said, like, that he doesn't believe people can change. So, like, doing therapy and all that stuff, he really doesn't believe that the core people can change. And so, if you think about it, he married somebody that was flawed and he had all these problems with and then never believed I can change. That must have felt really heavy. heavy. Well, what? here's another question, though. Since projection is not a question, it's... I think John Gottman said it's not if it shows up, it's when it shows up. So he starts with a story, and our stories build our lives, right? Mm -hmm. So he starts with a story, there's something wrong with you. Really, it's a projection. So there's something (laughs) wrong with him. And he believes that he is never going to change. So he could have changed. He mm-hmm. could have changed the story. If Byron Katie could get her hands yeah. on him, she would, would have a field day, right? Us. It would just be so fun. Like on some level, it would be so 
interesting to see what she could do and all of the awarenesses that would come from owning the story that was really about his worth, the person who couldn't speak up, the person who couldn't say what was true for him, marrying you anyway, and then giving you half a man. Half a heart. Half, half a, a heart, half a man, half, you know, you can't really have half a heart. So it was kind of like no heart. And I couldn't really fly and blossom if he doesn't believe I can change. If he doesn't it's, believe you can fly and blossom. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the your most intimate relationship is pulling your empowerment out from underneath you the entire time. Now, I'm not saying you're a victim because no. you could have maybe noticed. <laughs> of course. I could have learned to speak up earlier. I could have you know, asked for what I needed. I could have a zillion things. But so this I noticed- played into you. This played into who you were, and it took you guys 15 years to wake up to this is hell. And we were both, right as of yesterday, we were holding the same story in that we are angry at ourselves for wasting, can you guys see my air quotes, wasting all of those years. Oh. And it was just like, oh my God. Like Because knew- he thinks he can't change, that was a waste of time. If the possibility that you are going to grow during those years, if you can see how much the other person, which you have, even in the five years I've known you, mm-hmm. how much each of us can grow there is no wasted time on earth because we're all learning and growing. If you think no one's growing and that's the way you look at the world, you bet that was really wasted time. And you know what? Allison said that to us in her podcast that she did with us. She said, if you go through your marriage and all you do is endure, you Mm. haven't learned a thing. You did just waste your time, but that was him wasting his time. My memory is that you got yourself to school you got yourself into theater. You got yourself into all sorts of trouble, but you were learning and you mm-hmm. were growing. And so he's just telling the story of him. And then you didn't know that story, which is amazing that you didn't know that story. And so how do you feel about that realization or revelation to you? How does that? Well, the interesting thing is I've always you. had this story in my head that um, uh-huh. that he loved me more than I loved him or that he was crazy about me and that he would do anything for me. I mean, this is like – You believed that? Yes. I believed that he was just like all giving, like, here I am, Krista, let me just – I really wow. believed that's how much he loved me. And part of that belief – I felt like I could never match that level oh, wow. for him. Yeah. And that was part of the inequality. And I couldn't match it because my heart was closed from childhood. It had nothing to do – it's not like my heart closed to him. My heart was just not open. So I could only love him to the level that my heart was open. My heart wasn't open, so I felt like he was loving me way up here and I was down here. And – I think in my mind, I then, so weird, like I thought less of him, that he loved me more than I loved him, and that he stayed in a marriage where he loved me more than I loved him. You would never want to belong to a club that had you as a member, (laughs) right? You know, it's like, it's that same story. It's like, I'm not that valuable. So if you love me that much, there must be really something wrong with you. Yeah, like I saw it as some type of weakness. And so now to have this awareness that he didn't feel that way the entire time, I was like, huh, 
Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I've actually had that experience too, where someone is so on the line of peacekeeping that the person that they're peacekeeping with thinks they're loved, but they have actually no idea. And this is when, like, I think people come home from work one day and they're like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And people are shocked. The other partner is totally shocked because they felt loved. They thought they had a great life. You know, the peacekeeping does not work because, and I even got to express this to him yesterday. I was like, you know, the times where we were about to split, we would pull, we would come back together because something would happen in him where he would just like, and I'm going to use the term man up, but he like stepped into his masculine energy and just like claimed me or said that, no, you're not going to do that. This is what we're going to do. And like, and it, all of a sudden I felt really safe and attracted to that energy because he stepped into his power. And so we would come back together and we'd give it another go. But then that, the energy didn't sustain. And I would come right back in with my manliness, man energy coming in and he would go back into his feminine. And when that shift would start happening again, I would lose my attraction to him. I would lose my, my, my faith in him or that he could, support me like it just so i we even got to discuss the masculine feminine energy yesterday which was like amazing to have that conversation with him but yeah the whole him not believing that we can grow it's like well which is another thing it's like i'm doing work and all i'm interested in is growing so what was true (laughs) what was interesting about hearing that yesterday is that you know, it's not a secret between you and I that every once in a while I have that thought of like, oh, should we pull it back together? Is there a place in the universe where we could work through this and yeah. make this marriage work? We all have had those moments. Yeah. Him saying, I don't believe people can change. I was like, there is no way that I can be with somebody, be in partnership with someone if they're not all about growing and changing. And it's not just about you growing and changing, right? It's like you know that you would just be signing up for more of the same thing because that's his belief. And mm-hmm. that's why I said it'd be so fun if Byron Katie could get in there and kind of mess <laughs> around and take her screwdriver and be like, open that up. Because it's, it's really too bad for him that that's his story. Mm-hmm. And I think that story's going to change for him. <laughs> change. I do. I think he's going to – I think even our conversation yesterday – he witnessed me in a new way. Hmm. Maybe you were the am, beginning of his faith. In- yeah, the, I think that the way I was able to talk with him and express with him and hold for him and just the whole conversation was a new me. And I know he'll probably won't want to have a lot of faith in it right now because he really likes to, um, he says, oh, people just talk. You know, he really wants to see the actions and that's fine. Yeah, but I feel like yesterday was just a little opening for him of getting the nudge of he's got some work to do. The biggest point in all of this for me is that it took me saying, like stepping into some really uncomfortable territory yeah. from the little nugget of awareness that you, you know, brought up about the divorce not being complete and how that was kind of creating the stagnation in my life with regards to new relationships and dating. Just that simple awareness somehow set all of these steps in motion very quickly. Like it just opened up the floodgates. Wow. So this process that's been like 
chugging for five years, I feel like in that conversation yesterday, everybody got to make peace with everything that had happened. Real peace. Real Real peace. peace Because there was real sharing. Real intimate sharing that now there's this place in me that's like, okay, I'm complete. I can sign that deal. You know, it's funny. There's a saying, it's a Buddhist saying, and it says, if there is peace, it is done. If there is not peace, it is not done. Mm -hmm. And that's what you just proved out. Mm -hmm. Now it's done. And I um, couldn't be more excited for both of you. And this isn't that we're going back and putting blame on him. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to say is when you have secrets, when you hold the truth that you hold so tightly and you won't let any light of day come on it, no one can change because you've got them pigeonholed. And this is something that we talk about a lot, even just in regular life. You are the cause. The world shows you the effect of your thinking. And if you don't want to believe that, that's okay with us. But we're going to be talking about that a lot, I have a feeling, because we have some really interesting things happening in our lives. And also the other takeaway is that when your life is feeling stuck, which it was really, you know, coming into January, I felt like waking up each day and it's like, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like, because everything I would think to do would come back to, yeah, but if this happens in a divorce, it's going to affect that. Whether it's how many clients to take on, whether it's workshops to build, I mean, just like... There's so, like, every part of my life literally could not move forward because it was hinging on the divorce settlement. And when I realized that, I was like, it was the motivation to just be like that final push of this has to move so that everything else can flow. Isn't it interesting how so many things in life kind of mimic a birthing process? Like, you have to go through that really tight, hard, slow, sludgy process right before birth when you're like, mm-hmm. get this kid out of me. And nothing's happening and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, and you got a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the rest is history. What well, the so, funny thing is, uh-huh. is I had a dream three nights ago, and I wrote it down in my journal, and it's all about – so I was at the hospital – and I'm birthing a baby. And y'all, I'm 47 years old. So I'm like <laughs> in this dream, like, how did I find myself here again? What am I doing? And I'm looking around the birthing room. And it was like, I knew there were friendly people around me, but like the father of the baby wasn't there. And I think in the actually the in the dream, it was my ex-husband. I don't even know if I had told him I was pregnant or giving birth. It was right. like I was needing to make this call of like, hey, just so you know, I'm at the hospital birthing this baby. But it was like I was birthing it alone, and I wasn't reaching out to all of the people around me. And I just woke up with this like feeling of I was like still needing other – how do I put this? Knowing that I'm in the place of trying to birth something right now, this new yeah. life. And I didn't want to reach out and tell everybody about it because I didn't want them to weigh on, weigh in and have opinions about it. But I was really – needing the support of like my tribe to do this. But even once I birthed the baby, I couldn't find it. It wasn't in the nursery. The baby. The baby. Because it's gone. I, you know, I couldn't see it. I kept looking for it around the, you know, hospital. And it just it also said, I don't know it was I don't know what I'm birthing yet. Or let me just throw an idea out there. You were birthing the completion 
of so it's like midwifing a dying mm -hmm. is when there's no child afterwards, but the completion has happened. And I was thinking about like, why would he still be the father? Oh, because he's he's the one that that process originated with. And you don't want to go back to him for support, but mm -hmm. you're completing the process with him. And that actually was support to have that conversation and to be able to let it go. Like your water broke, you know? <laughs> but it was like, I hadn't planned on having the baby. I, you know, I, right. so I it was you. also showing me in my life that I have to be really conscious in what I'm wanting to birth out into the world. Yeah. There's that piece. And again, you know, when that energy started moving a couple of weeks ago, it, it has a mind of its own. It just moves. And it created now the space for the real birthing of what you're doing. Because you mm -hmm. have to have that birth-death cycle of completion. Mm -hmm. And so then... The timing of it. It's just like it's crazy that it happened perfect. like two days before this conversation. And it's perfect. Anyways. It's all... And it was... That's what we mean when we say like there are psychic levels in which things are happening. There's intuitive levels. There's spiritual levels. There's so much more than we call psychology and that's why we studied spiritual psychology because you can't explain all this stuff and we know so many women out there who have inklings and wonderings mm -hmm. and and information that come into us and some really strong and claim it and some really not strong and don't claim it and you had a stuckness going on i just re remember <laughs> you talking to me about it. i can't get out of bed i don't know what i'm doing until that moment. And then all of a sudden now, all your energy is coming forward. We can do more. I have more to talk about. I want to share mm -hmm. this. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there she is. So it's like the birthing in another way of considering this is you. Oh, of course. Definitely. That's but why you, know you couldn't find it. I was looking it. at part of the dream was, oh, I'm 47. I don't really want to start from scratch again and do like – done the mothering thing, right? I'm at the completion of having all the kids mm. in my house. So in the dream, it was like, oh my God, I have to start all over. And and what am I doing right now in my life? I'm starting all over. And I was like, but I'm 47. I don't want to start all over. And I want someone to do this for me. And like knowing like, no, I'm here alone birthing this baby. And this is like the next phase. And okay. So I got whoa. another one for you. <laughs> I got another little twist on this for you that just came through as mm -hmm. The birthing is the reparenting that you have been working on this whole year mm -hmm. with your inner child. And not to sound too woo-woo, but we have parts in us given the needs, whether, you know, it, it it's not to blame the parents. Everybody's doing their best. We don't need that conversation. But there are parts of you that didn't get what the need was at the time that was met and what is required is that you do it now. And I swear we had this conversation <laughs> 20 times last year. <laughs> and every time Krista and I would have this conversation, as a matter of fact, two episodes that were completely botched <laughs> that we couldn't share because they were all about this. And going back in and finding the wounds that happened, the traumas, your early traumas, and healing them from you, you right. reparenting. And so in some funny way, it's the birthing of you and now giving you a chance to be this amazing parent to yourself, thinking of all the ways that you would like to have been parented 
giving yourself that kind of nurturing and care and noticing how much your life starts to change on the outside with what you're drawing in about people who are more caring to you, people who are more authentic to you, with you, people, I mean, you've had some interesting experience with your kids coming mm-hmm. closer and things like that. So I think it's this incredible, incredible thing that happened. And we just watched your water break and watched you go right <laughs> down the bath and here you are. So the new year, forget the fizzle. It's actually lifted up in in its own time. Yeah. You know what the lunar new year was just went past? Mm-hmm. So it was almost like you were more attuned to the lunar new year than you were to perhaps. And it's that- timing. It's like. And you're not attached to the moon at all. Just, you know, <laughs> we women know we don't have any attachment to the moon. So on that note, um, congratulations and welcome to the world, Krista. Thank you. (laughs) You feel a little young and tender, we'll know why. And blessings to you on this amazing, and and to your ex for his willingness to completely share what was going on Mm -hmm. and make it so that you guys could complete this healing Mm -hmm. and move on instead of having to go through the motions with someone else. And it really was. I really do want to honor him and... It was very loving, and it was a very sweet conversation and heartfelt. And I'm not saying it wasn't emotional, and I knew that both of us were moving through a lot and letting go of a lot. But um, it's that I love that quote that you said about the peace and the completion. It's like I feel that sense of peace with him, and I don't have that same thing inside me that has been holding me back from signing. And so it feels really good to Mm. step forward and sign in your power. My power. And not out of like hurt and anger. And, or I have to. This have is to. as good as it's yeah, going to get. I have to because I was the one who messed it up. You know, there's like, not, that's not operating anymore. It's beautiful. So completion. Completion. Revelation. Yeah. Completion. So thank you, Krista, for thank your you. Thank you for uh, helping me reveal that little nugget in the last episode. Oh, that yeah. You're welcome. That was even though you made me angry. Yeah, even though she got pissed. (laughs) I think that was episode 28. In case anybody's interested in hearing what was going on pre-water breaking, Mm -hmm. um, and how that proceeded. Relationship uh, roadblocks. Relationship roadblocks. All right. So as we tell you all, all the time, spread the love. Spread the love. We love you.